0: Shut up and sit down. Welcome to our episode of Business Bros. On today's episode, this is a nonsense series where we like to interview different people from different walks of life. Uh, Today's interview is from New Hampshire, Connecticut. And we found uh, Joseph here on Twitter through our mutual uh, admiration for Gary V content. So hopefully you get to uh, listen to Joseph's story here. He's, uh, he's you know, pretty fun. He has a great uh, personality and I think that uh, definitely shines through in today's interview. So uh, enjoy the show. All right, we are joined today by Joseph Massaro. Is that how you say it, Joseph? Got it correct. Cool, and Joseph is one of our Twitter followers, at Rev1376. I'm going to ask you what that
1: means, by the way. <laughs> uh, Rev, third, Go third for it. My lucky number, 76 is the year I was born, and the Rev just came from a college friend because the first couple of years of college, I literally didn't say anything within my department, within my, um, like you know how you have like your set of like the people I, I majored with, like those yeah. people, I was really quiet in class. I'm one of those guys who kind of likes to watch and learn, you know? Yeah.
0: And
1: so I didn't say anything for literally about two years. And at my, so- my beginning of my junior year or end of my sophomore year, I had opened my mouth up. And I guess the big joke was that no one ever knew I knew how to talk. But the worst thing they could have <laughs> done was knew that I could talk because from that point on, it was like, you know what how I mean? do you get this guy to be quiet? <laughs> that's, that's pretty much what happens. <laughs> um, but that's how I got the rev 1376, and then the original Bambo is my my Twitter and my uh, I mean my uh, Instagram and like Twitch feed. That goes back to gaming.
0: Oh, so you're a gamer? I saw you uh, had a a Twitch yeah. link, but I tried to click on it and uh, I didn't get to see anything.
1: Yeah, my t- my my son's using my Twitch right now, which I don't mind. Yeah, I'm I, mean, I mean, I'm not like some great gamer. I pretty much set the Twitch account. Like, I was even streaming live from my office just to show people, like, what work really looks like, you know? Yeah. People have this concept of, like, hustling and working as, like, sitting on a beach and, like, just clicking a pad. Like, not even, like, like George Jetson back in the day hitting a button on Jetsons.
0: Oh, we can only this.
1: That's really why I set my Twitch up account, just so you could view it on me working and seeing, like, that it actually takes... Like work and paperwork and aggravation and phone calls and emails to actually make it happen every day.
0: Right? Yeah. Nobody. Nobody sees that part. That's why we like the uh, Daily V Show, right?
1: Yes, absolutely. Because there's actually work involved. Like he says, okay. only two percent is the two percent is what they're not showing is actually the ninety-eight percent. You know?
0: Exactly. So hey, uh, you were talking about you, you were going to school with some college mates. What did you go to school for? Where did you I, go? To
1: school? I actually went to. Uh, The Hart School of Music, and I actually have a degree in performing arts management with a minor in business administration, so it's heavily business, it's heavily business related Uh, because of family business. I was like, well, I really love the music business, but I need to learn business in case this music thing doesn't pan out, which, I mean, it did pan out, but it was a matter of did I want to keep on pursuing it, you know, it wasn't really... It wasn't really meeting my fancy, you know what I'm saying? Like, it wasn't exciting yeah. me. At a young age, like early 20s, you're like, I need to do something that's going to be a little more invigorating. Got the phone ringing in the background. A little more invigorating, so um, I did I did a short stint in the music business. I did enjoy it. It was more concert promotion, so that was what's cool about it was that it was a lot of hands-on concert, behind-the-scenes kind of stuff, which was great, but um, not to knock you guys are in California, right?
0: yeah we're in san diego sunny san diego
1: we're in north uh, san diego is beautiful it's like your little microcosm there i was up in sacramento um it's a little different up there i guess but i mean i'm really east coast people they say we're high strung you know so i was young and didn't really understand like you know i guess differencing of opinions at that point in my life you know so (laughs) um it was interesting it was fun the weather's amazing food's awesome uh but I had to come back. I mean I had a family. I had the reason coming back is like I have family business but brothers and then I actually had a at the time a sick parent so it's like do I really want to be 3000 miles away from home all this time when I already had a mother who was already sick probably at that point 10 years you know so it's like you're torn from do I pursue my dreams or should I pursue being with my family and my mother, and my father, because you only get one of those. You know what I'm saying? So well, I kind of, I so kinda put that, put that on hold.
0: No, for that—that's. I mean, hey, you got to do what you got to do. Family comes first. It always has. I think it always will be. They're going to be there for you whether you, uh, whether you're successful or not. And yeah. uh, I think you made the right choice, man.
1: Yeah, in, in the in the long run. Well, I, I'm not going to say the long run because honestly, I mean, I'm 20 years into what I've been doing. But I really feel like at 42, I feel like I'm ready to start like another whole chapter. Not even just just outside besides what I do, which is predominantly drywall and plastering. That's what our our forte is. That's what we, we grew up doing. But when I first came back, I started getting into real estate and rental property and owning rental property, just watching family and friends doing it that I was like, hey, I think I could do this, you know, so... I've been doing that just about twenty years, 18, 19 years, and I'm at the point where I'm like, well, maybe it's time to get out of that, and then, or can I have someone else manage it and then lateral into something else that like kind of perks my like creative side because you know everyone needs to like a creative release, so you're you're gonna go mad at at some point in time.
0: Yeah, man. I mean, you had you had music. I'm sure you still do some of that. I mean, on the side, that doesn't. I don't think something like yeah. that ever goes away.
1: No, I mean, listen. I have my guitar in my in my office, so I'll pick it up every once in a while. But I didn't want to. I always like the thrill of being with the acts, not being the act. You got what I'm saying? Like I oh, love man. being part of the process of them getting it together to play. Like that concert promotion was more exciting because it's fast. There's deadlines. You got to get people on. You got to keep famous people happy, which is not always hard. Not always easy to do. And then you got to break down the set to get ready for another show, so that thrill I really like. But I mean, really, just honestly, like at this point, I'm trying to just build personal brand along with our our family brand of our of our business. So it's been interesting to just learn that over the last honestly, like I only started learning about it like January of last year when I just heard of. I only knew of Gary Vaynerchuk only for like ten months now. I knew nothing of him prior.
0: Yes, same here. It's 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 relatively new in my world. I love it, but it's relatively new in my world. Right. No, I mean, um, as far as as far as your stuff goes, uh, so you you like doing more of the promotion, the marketing, the the behind the scenes stuff. I mean, it is show business, right? So the part of it is the show. It's not really your thing, the show part, but the business aspect of it. Oh, uh,
1: I, I love the business. Listen, business is business, whether you're selling drywall or you're selling an act. That's what I like. That's really one thing about sales is is that if you know how to sell, you could pretty much sell anything. So I've been branching out trying to sell other people's products. So I'll buy their product, and then I'll showcase it on my Instagram. They didn't give me the product. Of course, I asked first. But since you don't have a million followers, you don't get attention, you know? So, you know, I, I have enough. I built... I'm 42 years old, so I've, I've pretty much have tried to have made the right choices the last 20 years in business. Obviously, I've had push forwards and push backs, but I'm at the point now where I have a little bit of, you know, play money. So <laughs> instead of putting it in the stock market or cryptocurrencies and just sitting at it doing nothing, I've been actually finding products through Instagram and buying their products and then showcasing them on my Instagram and then trying to get like feedback through my, even though I don't own the product, I'm trying to promote the product even though it's not my product.
0: So in other words, you're being proactive with your money versus being uh, reactive where just being passive with it.
1: I am actually, invest- I'm calling that investing in myself and I'm kind of pointing it the NASCAR theory because NASCAR, you know, their cars have, a hundred different sponsors on the car. You know what I'm saying? So they need that money to actually get the car to run and go to shows and yada, yada, yada. So um, I'm actually taking that NASCAR theory. Instead of people giving me the products, I'm going out and pursuing the products and then trying to get them out there under my name, try to get a retweet, try to get a repost added on a story, stuff like that. I'm really just, you know, it's, it's putting the hard work in. I'm doing that seven p.m. to two in the morning. My wife wants to kill me, but I told her January this year. I said I'm gonna make my next move in terms of creative and investments is gonna be through my my smartphone. And instead of like I was saying, putting money to a stock market and watching, and then someone else basically having to make moves to make me money, I'm actually making the moves on myself. So. If it doesn't work out, I'm the only one to blame, really.
0: Yeah, so in other words, you're helping other people succeed so that they, in turn around, become your valuable network of people, right? So the more successful they become, they remember those who helped them get there, and yeah. in turn, they're going to be the ones who help you get to wherever it is that you want to go.
1: Yes, shout-outs and showcasing other merchandise eventually through, the, through time. I mean, listen, it's going to take time to build an audience, and I do realize that, so that's kind of where my trajectory is going. But I have such a huge business background that I, I, I'm not, like, throwing just darts at a wall trying to pick a winner. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I'm really kind of, like, thinking it through before I just frivolously spend money on things that aren't. There's been a couple I've spent on. I won't name names because I don't, I don't want to do that. But I, I bought, like, someone's got a T-shirt company. I bought a T-shirt. Now, I won't even put that. I won't showcase it. I won't even wear the T-shirt. It's horrible quality, horrible placement. For the price, you should have gotten a better T-shirt. You got what I'm saying?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: There's some hit and miss, but I mean, I'm okay with some of the hit and miss. And then, you know, I'm trying to become a part of other people's communities so that I get recognition under their fan base as well, and then maybe they see something in what I'm doing, and then, you know, it, it kind of goes from there.
0: So let me let me ask you a question. Speaking of uh, building brands and stuff, uh you had a little snippet on uh on Gary's show on the Daily V, episode four ninety-four, right? That what is, is that correct. experience like?
1: You know, it's all pretty surreal because like like I said, January of this year I heard about Gary. Good friend of mine, owns a pizza place locally from me, told me about the place. Uh, told me about Gary, shared a video, I was like, holy shit, I was like um, this guy kind of says the same things and thinks the same way I've thought my entire life. Granted, I I didn't do the things he did, but you know we have a lot of likenesses in the same era. We're about the same age. So as soon as I heard him speak, I said I didn't realize how popular he was. I figured he was just like some new guy on the scene looking to create sponsored ad. Blah blah blah. I was like, I said, to my wife, I said, listen to this guy. And the first video I heard was this four hundred million to one. Which is the odds of you being born? And when I heard that, I was like, "That really puts a lot of shit in perspective." When you hear those terms from him, so um, right from that point, I said, "I got to meet this guy." For whatever reason, I kind of like dove into his into his content, dove into his Twitter, dove into his Instagram. So um, I started real. I started getting attention. You know, he talks about day trading attention. He talks about don't listen to the one saying, watch what I do. So, you have to really understand that to kind of, like, know how to get his attention. And um, it was this August. He was on vacation with his family. You know, he started to take vacation now. So, he's off three weeks. So, he started getting back into his roots of baseball and basketball card sales. So, um, he was on Twitter one Saturday night. And he's like, I'm looking for baseball, hockey, football. And then he said basketball cards. Now, I played basketball one year 30 years ago as a kid and my, <laughs> mo- my mother had bought me the year I played which was I think 1987 so there were 88 flair basketball cards now you're talking um um uh, Michael Jordan's second year Pippen's rookie year Rodman's rookie year uh Larry Bird was in there Kareem Abdul-Jabbar Magic Johnson I mean huge names Now they were pristine because I was one of those kids who didn't really play with his toys.
0: So kept them blocked away in a box in the basement.
1: They were in the basement, exactly. So they've been sitting there 30 years. So for me, are they worth something? No, they're worthless. They weren't worth anything. So and I jokingly said, I, I I retweeted back to Gary, I said, and I showed a picture of his 003s, the dark the clouds and dirt, and I was like, hey. Sign my shoes. I'll give you my entire of 1988 Fleer collections. Says deal. He retweets. Uh, Tyler puts his email. Tyler's email. So I'm like, holy shit. I was like, I can't fucking believe this is going on. <laughs> so it was just so random that it was only like seven, eight months of listening to him. He he hits me up, and then it's like maybe it was a Friday. It was a Friday night because I emailed him Saturday morning. We actually conversed like two or three times. Via email directly. I mean, when Gary talks about he replies to emails and replies to Twitter and Instagram, he's not kidding. I mean, he really does. So, I mean, I've gotten likes on Instagram, relikes and retweets on Twitter, responses, email responses multiple times. So he's not he's not bullshitting. He is it is the real deal. I like, I don't I don't understand how he does it, but he is doing it.
0: So the guy sleep. how he does
1: it. He doesn't sleep. So I had to take a picture of. I had, four, I had 52 pages. There was 468 cards in all, including stickers that were never unstuck. So like they're very rare and good condition. So I took all the pictures. He sent him. He's like, okay, we'll meet. So I said, listen, Gary. I said honestly, I said, I just wanted to just basically meet him, take a picture on Instagram, and then just like tweet it out or and, and just reshare it or whatever.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, he has his
1: 5149 theory. So, he emails you back, he's like, listen, I got a better deal for you. He says, I'll have you you to the office, we'll meet, we'll take some pictures, sign some things, which I never got anything signed, and then I'll have you on the daily blog. And I was like, totally blown away, but let me reverse one email before that. And he's like, what do you want for him? I mean, I was like, honestly, I said... I don't really want anything except to meet. He's like, "Well, my time is worth a hundred grand an hour," and I was like, "You know, you get thrown back when you hear those things." You know, he doesn't fuck around at all. And I said, "I don't know." What. I said, "Conservatively, these cars are probably worth ten grand." He said, "All right, I'll give you ten minutes." All in all, it was about eighteen minutes. You guys saw only about two minutes of our conversation, but we did meet about eighteen minutes overall and spoke with each other. So, but in conversation, yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty amazing. I mean, going up to Vayner. And, like, going up that huge escalator and getting checked in and sitting at the front and, like, being a part of it. D-Rock walks by and then Gary walks by and says hello to everybody who's in the meeting room. I mean, it's really, like, I can't even, like, explain how real, really, everybody was in the whole experience. I mean, I made some comments to it on Twitter and my Facebook. And, um, but it was just, it was just, you know, awesome to be there, awesome to see it. Gary's real deal. I mean, a couple weeks later he had his wine benefit in New Jersey at the manor for uh, Crohn's and Colitis. And I'm actually a Crohn's in remote mission for Crohn's, as well as his oh, man, brother. So I actually went to the benefit for Crohn's. I was like, Well, if I already give to the foundation, I might as well be able go, to see go. Gary and meet him again. We did a blind wine tasting this time. So we had like two and a half hours with Gary talking about wine and business. So I mean it's you know, it's like being in that vortex, you kind of don't want to – it kind of makes you want to do other things but stay in his vortex. You know what I'm saying? Like it's a comfortable yeah, yeah, yeah. surrounding. It kind of keeps your frame of mind a good spot. Like when I'm having bad days here, I just want to throw the tables over and be like, I'm done. You kind of like reel yourself back in. You're like, all right, what do I really got to do to kind of keep this thing together and keep the team kind of working together? That's really That's really my struggle at this point is – More or less keeping partners together and, and, you know what I mean? Partnerships and guys and teams. And that's really like my main focus, besides obviously keeping money in the checkbook to keep the business running because no one talks about that when it comes to entrepreneurship.
0: Oh, for sure. sure. When you see daily daily video uh, video, or content, Content. we We see him talking to to everybody everybody in the office trying to make things happen trying to you know make sure putting out fires the whole day i mean we get to see the fun stuff for sure but um but he's he's definitely doing that on a day-to-day basis and probably like 10 or 100 times the staffing that you and i ever deal with on a daily basis
1: yeah i mean listen a thousand people four offices globally i mean we're at right now we're at probably one of our smallest sizes we're about four four of the office and like 15, 18 in the field. So I mean, we were at one point when the, I mean, when the housing market, I'm not sure how old you are, but when the housing market is was jamming in the in the late 90s, early 2000s, I mean, we had upwards of 70 guys between hourlies and subcontractors. I mean, 10 people in the office. I mean, we saw it was. I mean, I was only in like early to mid 20s at the time, and I didn't know what I was doing at all. But I mean, we did it just every day, every day, every day. And now we feel like we're at a good level where. We're happy where we are. We don't want to scale up too much bigger where it's uncontrollable again because when you get so big, it does get a little bit uncontrollable and overwhelming.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. We've, we've had the ups and downs ourselves. Now, it, it, Staffing people, subcontractors, all that, managing people, dude, it is a full-time gig. No doubt about that. Hey, let me ask you. Um, you, uh, you like to go against the crowds. Right? I mean, most entrepreneurs tend to do that. And I saw like, you uh, you're doing the no-beard November. <laughs> How's that panning out?
1: Yeah, the no-shave November, because people... Listen, I'm all about the opposite. Because how would you get... I mean, listen, I wear a beard... I've been wearing a beard since I was about 17 years old, like ZZ Top style. Nobody had beards in, like, 95, 96 that were like that, these big grizzly beards. I mean, I... I'm eating my lunch. It's four o'clock, but I mean, <laughs> I've always grafted towards. If you want to get noticed, you have to be noticeable, right?
0: So right.
1: I did. I did the no. I did the no beard November as a way of I. I already have a beard. Now let me shave it off because we. I got a beard all the time. Like, like, there's some people who can't grow beard, and I. I. I, I respect that. You know, I mean, I, I feel their pain, but I literally shaved. What was it, a week ago?
0: Yeah, I was watching that YouTube video.
1: <laughs> I mean, I literally have I literally have like beyond a five o'clock shadow. I mean, it's it's a week in now, and I mean in another week by Thanksgiving, it'll look like I almost didn't shave again. So it's like for me, I know if I want to shave it, it'll come back. My wife hates my beard. She wishes I didn't have it at all and kept it clean, but I mean like you were saying, you got to go, go against tides. I mean, for me, if you want to get noticed, you gotta, gotta, you kind of got to be out there a little bit and kind of go against the trends.
0: For sure. Hey, uh, how did your basement hunt go? I was watching one of your other videos going through what? your basement, figuring out what stuff you were going to sell. I'm assuming you were doing uh, some trash talk stuff.
1: Yeah, that's my thought. Listen, I, oh, the reason why I'm doing this is because Gary retweeted me one weekend something I told him I was going to do. I told him I'm going to sell all my worldly belongings. Now, that basement is my father's basement. He's actually been deceased for seven years. My brother lives there now, so he's going to be purchasing the house. So I have to get everything out of there. Like, he wants to throw it all away, and I want to take it, separate it, and then start just garage sale and eBaying it, whatever which way I could possibly sell it, because I look at it as if I could sell every item for a dollar, there's got to be 100,000 items there. There has to be. I mean, you're talking not only my stuff, my parents' stuff, and then there's stuff from my mother's mother there. So.
0: Multiple there's, generations.
1: There's three generations of shit. So, I actually have a box I took out of my father's China, my mother's China hutch. I have to open it up and do an unboxing on it. But it's like, I don't have a D Rock or a Caleb. So. Yeah. I don't have, like, all these people videotaping me, editing. It's like, it's only me. It's raw footage. There's no edits. I don't put music. I just kind of record, do it when I can. We've actually been busy the last couple weeks, so I haven't been been able to unveil that box, but it's funny. People then message me and say, when are you unveiling that box? Like, people are actually waiting. (laughs) It's cool to know that people are actually waiting and wanted to see what's there and what's coming out next. And for me, I mean, if you met me in person... Like, my life's an open book, like, I got nothing to hide, you know, like, I haven't wronged anybody, I haven't screwed anybody in business, I try to be honest with, like, um, giving people advice, like, they tell me their their problem, I try to give them advice that's for them, not for me selfishly, I mean, that's really kind of the way I've always lived my life, you know, you're not going to get ahead that way, if you know what I'm saying.
0: Yeah, 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 I mean, you can you can step on somebody real quick, but the next step ain't going to be that easy. You know, you you break your ankles and it's going to come back to you. Karma's a bitch.
1: Karma's a bitch because I've heard people say, well, you need to step on people to get ahead in life. And like that.
0: I like your approach. I mean, you're, you're, you're basically, your side hustle has been uh, so far from, if, if I've heard you correctly, it's, you're helping people get to where they want to go. That's, that's a good way to deal out karma you know what i mean if i'm helping you get somewhere it's going to come back to me and help me eventually there's no need to step i mean we live in a world of abundance dude there's so much out there for everybody to achieve that there's no reason why you need to undercut anybody in any which way matter of fact you should be helping them i like one of the things uh it's funny because i heard gary say it, but it was one of the things one of my business partners said uh for a long time he's like dude all i want is ten thousand people at my funeral you know, like, if I can do that, if I know that the day I die, there's going to be 10,000 people at my funeral, then I've made a lasting impression on people. And I've, I've achieved everything I want to achieve.
1: It's so true. My father used to say the same thing. I mean, this is years ago. Like, we also, we talked about, like, my father's middle, he's immigrant. So, I mean, we grew up immigrant. I wear a girl from Colombia who was born there, came here at 17. So, I have that, not only was I grown up that way, now my kids are getting that same experience of, like, that old world mentality I I would say, he's like, you're going to be judged by how many people are at your funeral. That's really going to be the sign of how good of a human you are. So, like, I got, I, we were fortunate to be born into a family business, fortunate or unfortunate. It's, it depends on the way you want to look at it. There's a lot of dimensional things we can go into. I mean, you could have, we could talk about this for hours, but, um. I have good friends who are young like me coming up in the trades as well, other trades. And they were they were working for people at the time. And I said to them, I said, if I could run my own business, yes, I took it over from my family, but it was not of this magnitude when I took it over. It was just mom and pop, and we built it into very big, bigger scale from where it ever had been. I said, you guys work in trades like plumber, electrician, HVC guys. They're one-man operations. You don't need Uh to have tons of crews to make good money. So I literally help basically all my close friends start their own businesses, help them figure out how to get an LLC, figure out how to get the insurances and not be nervous about it, and then support them in that manner. You know what I mean? He's like, I took time out of my own day to help these guys. Where these guys are so busy right now, I don't even see them much anymore because they're running successful businesses What is what you want to see them doing.
0: Right. And you know, it, we we do the same thing on our coaching. When we talk about real estate agents or we have insurance agents, the same thing. I mean, it's a big uh facade right now where people want to have huge teams to show that they're super successful when really it comes down to, well, what's your profit margin? Like having a big team is great. It sounds good. It looks pretty, but if you're not making the money you need to make and you're not helping the people you need to help, What's the point? I mean, you got into the business because you needed to provide for your family and you wanted to be right. of service to other people. That's why you got into the business. You didn't get into the business to put your face on a billboard somewhere. That's not, you know, that's that's not here or there. That's something different. That's that's not why you are doing whatever it is you're doing. So I agree with you. There's no need to build big crews and big teams. Just focus your attention on being good at what it is that you do and helping the client that you're helping meet whatever it is that they want to achieve. you know make your work famous and then you're going to be you know you're going to get to the level that you want to get to and you're going to be a lot more successful a lot more comfortable you're going to get through your day to day you're going to get through your month to month you're going to put money away to reinvest to so that your your money works for you. you no longer have to work for your money i mean it really comes down to what are you doing it for, and hopefully that you know a few years into that entrepreneurial uh, mindset when you start doing what it is you're doing you, you kind of lose track of that and we kind of you know that's that's why I, I feel that we do best is we bring the people back to reality like focus you know what don't don't get carried away in everything else that you're doing and everything else that you think you want to do focus back your attention on just being of service to you know the people in your industry and get what you need done on a daily basis
1: yeah you got to you got to keep your ego in check for sure I mean, I was I was early twenties doing numbers that I mean I never thought I'd be doing them that fast. I mean, we were turning over, we were doubling our business literally year after year for like five years straight. Then we hit hit the plateau, and then don't don't get me wrong. Luckily, I was preparing for a housing crisis by 2006 when when the bet, when I, I mean I I don't want to ask how old you are, but how old are you?
0: I'm uh, 36. Okay, Sierra, so you're a
1: little bit younger, but you remember this, then. So, 2006 TARP happened. They bailed out the banks. So, yep. we're we're in Connecticut, so we deal with a lot of Fairfield County, Westchester County. This is where all the bankers of New York City and investors live. You got what I'm saying? Oh yeah. So when we started seeing the writing on the wall slowing down a little bit, we knew the shit was going to hit the fan prior to '08. So. We were already preparing in 06. I had guys working for me who wanted to work for themselves. I said, you know what? We give you you a blessing. I mean, we never hold people back. We always tell people, if you think leaving here with us is going to push you forward and we can work together in the future and branch out, you always got to remember where you came from. I always tell people, like, I don't care if you get bigger than me or more successful than me. That's not what I want. All I want to know is that we can always be on the same team. You kind of see it with, like, Gary – You'll see Babb and I think Ligotti. These guys don't work for Gary anymore, but they're still able to kind of use the facilities. You got what I'm saying? So we team up with our guys the kind of the same way where they've worked for us. We train them. They build out their own businesses. They have their own work, but they still do work for us at the same time. And the money keeps on flowing and it works well that way. So we saw the writing on the wall in 2006 prior 2008 hit. We were cash flush enough to get us all the way to 2008. 11, and then we started feeling the pain. 11, 12, 13, 14, a little bit, not as much. And then we started seeing a turn come 15. uh, 16 was a better year. 17 was our best year. And 18 this year felt like 2008 again in the beginning of this year.
0: Yeah, starting, yeah, starting to, start the, to see, uh, the, turn we're around.
1: We're starting to see a downturn again. It's getting a little busier right now. But I, don't, I look at that as just we're so deep into other things besides drywall now. Like we've gotten into some roofing, siding, facade work. You got what I'm saying? Like we're getting into more general contracting because a lot of the guys who 10, 15, 20 years ago are now getting out of the business. And mm-hmm. there's no one there to fill those shoes. So you know and I know if you see shoes that need to be filled, you're going to figure out business-wise how could I fill those shoes.
0: Exactly,
1: exactly. So we're doing a lot of shoe filling right now, which is going to fill in the gaps because, I mean, it's just crazy that Gary talks about the economy melting. I mean, we're 10 years after an economy that that got bailed out, and I don't think kids really realize the magnitude of how when this thing turns around, I mean, just the way you turn off a spigot for water, the money gets turned off the exact same way.
0: Well, well, I mean, I mean we're overdue, overdue, overdue for a correction, and, and the last, the last correction, correction was really a band-aid on what should have been, you know, catastrophic. You mean but like a complete failure in the pan down the road? Yeah, yeah, we're kicking the problem down the road. We haven't really solved the problem. So
1: like, man, America really shouldn't be here right now? Exactly. <laughs> I'm, not sure if you're, I'm not sure if you're a crypto guy, and this is the total opposite of what crypto people really think. I could have gotten into crypto. This is a could have, I should have, would have. My partners didn't want to do it. I was going to put ten thousand into crypto in two thousand twelve. It was point zero 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 one when I looked at Bitcoin. So that is a kick in. The- so I have a number of things I could have, should have, did have. Bitcoin was one of them. Yeah, I would have made money in two thousand twelve. But if I told you that I think Bitcoin's going to go to a dollar, would you believe me?
0: I have no idea. I don't pay attention to Bitcoin at all. Okay.
1: Because I, I really love currency. Like, part of my thing is also currency speculating. If you see mm-hmm. my Twitter account, that's a hobby that. of mine. Tw- currency speculating is just a hobby of mine. Like, I spent about a decade of my time, hobby-wise, through a bad economy because you're kind of just holding still. You can't leave your desk. You're answering your phones. You're trying to create business. You're trying to make sure you pay back bills that are piling up on. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. all I had was Okay, let me look at forex. Let me look at currency, and I mean, I'm kind of going on a tangent with that. But this is like one of my coulda, shoulda, woulda moments. Um, but I just, I, I'm just talking about the economy melting, and everyone thinks that possibly Bitcoin's the answer, these cryptocurrencies are the answers. I just, I feel the same way. I don't want people to be so delusional. Where, you know, what I'm saying, like, don't get caught up in one thing. Like for me, I diversify: business, real estate. I do have investments, I do have IRAs, I do have some precious metals, I do have, I don't have any cryptos, I haven't bought any cryptos because I feel like if I didn't get them in early enough, why get in now? I feel like I missed the bandwagon, so, but my whole thing is, is diversifying and just being ready and having, having savings, even if the dollar does collapse, you'd still need savings, you're not going to have any credit.
0: Right, right, or assets, assets are nice if uh, the are nice I mean,
1: yes, values do go down, but they also do go up after a certain amount of time.
0: Exactly. hey, Joseph, man, thank dude, great interview, thanks for sharing all all that stuff. I want to give you a chance here at the end, uh, if uh, I don't know if you've heard our show at all, uh, but.
1: <laughs> since I found you guys, you guys had, had tweeted out an episode because I follow your notifications so I know when they come out, so I did listen to, I think, the last episode. Oh, the one where you actually shouted me out, where you uh, you called me out on that stuff. <laughs> perfect, I had, perfect. I had to give you a little jab in your, in your DM because I was like, I don't want to think these guys don't think I have my shit together because, I mean, like, I find that a lot on Twitter. I'm, I'm very, before we end, I'm very misunderstood. So I'm misunderstood in real life, and I can't believe that I'm actually misunderstood on the Internet as well. <laughs> well, so, you know what?
0: I think the issue is is you can't really read tone all the time. So, you know, I like have had the same issue where I'm sure you've had where you send an email and there is no real tone but it comes back as you had some serious tone or, or it gets misconstrued yeah. in some way. And no, I think that's true. what happens online a lot when you like when he you do like
1: stick in there you could do it I'm like, "Kid, I said to one kid I said, I've been through in business the 9 90- 99.com, 911. I said 2006 HARP, 2008 housing crisis, 2009 stock market crash. I mean, eight years of a bad economy with like stagflation. I'm in a state that's never gotten out of the recession from 2008. You're telling me to buck up? Like, I know what's up. Like, you
0: don't
1: know what's coming down this pipeline. Like, it's going to be so humbling. The way I got humbled in two thousand eight, nine, ten, when that first one, because that, that was really a horrible time. I mean, all OG business guys said to me, they had, they've been through four of them and never saw one like that. So me getting through it the way I did without losing assets, yes, I cash reinvested all of my money back into all my businesses, but didn't lose assets, didn't lose business, kept it afloat, and now we're kind of back on a slow rise because. I refuse to build fast because if this thing pulls back again, um, I'm very thin right now. So I'll have, a lot, I'll have a lot easier time going back to not being so worried, you know what I'm saying? So I just get a kick out of these young hustlers who have no idea what it is. I sell limestone that's pressed into sheets to people. Think about that. You know what I'm saying, like right? basic as it comes, sunglasses. right? I don't sell sunglasses or book bags or fucking sneakers or some bullshit whatever. I sell limestone compressed with paper to people. <laughs> like,
0: so you could put a picture
1: on a wall. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like go to go to Home Depot and you see that end aisle to the left with all that white stuff stacked up to the ceiling and don't want to touch. Yeah, that's the shit I sell. That's the rock like I am a rock salesman. You know what I'm saying? Like, I do sell rock. You know what I mean? It just happens to be legal rock. Just come over. <laughs> but uh, go on what you're gonna say. I had to get that little rant before we got off.
0: No, man, that's that's perfect, dude. And that's really what it comes down to. Look, it doesn't matter what business you're in. I could tell just by just by our conversation today how much of a hustler, how how much dedication you have to your particular business, and you know what, to the people around you. So I appreciate the fact that that you've been taking, taking some time out, listening to our podcast, giving us some critique, even jumping on the show with us, because it makes a big difference that you know uh, people who listen to our show and just in general that know that there's other people out there. Just hustling and working just as hard as, as everybody else is that they're not the only ones going through the struggle and that there are other people going through the struggle and as long as you're focusing your attention on being good a good person, and being of service to others that there are good things for you out there not yeah, not you know every for everybody around there
1: and i'm at an, i'm I'm an obtainable level I'm not at this two hundred million a year level you got what I'm saying like I'm at an obtainable level like there's no like I'm not you know what I mean, I'm doing a lot, but what I'm trying to say is that I'm not so huge where I'm like Cardone and uh, Vayner, you know what I'm saying? But it's like, I'm at my comfortable level. That suits me.
0: Right. And that's and where
1: most... You get yeah. to that level, you should just be happy with it. Like, people think because you own a business, you're a millionaire. It's far from the truth. Like right. I'm a millionaire. You know why? I can make my own schedule of time. If I have to yeah. show up late, it's okay. Like, my son said today... Are you late for work? I said, because it's Veterans Day, I have the kids, I brought them to work for a few hours, I said, no, I'm not late for work, I'm the boss. I said, I come and go as I please, because daddy always gets the job done when it has to get done, no matter what day or time it is. So, you know, no, it's, that's what it comes down to, it is.
0: And you never unplug, even when you leave, you never unplug. Oh,
1: no. <laughs> I that.
0: All right, Joseph. Well, thank you for your time, man. Again, a uh, truly true honor to have you on the show, man. Thank you for you know sharing the wisdom, especially on the East Coast. It's completely different. Most of our listeners are over here in the in, in sunny Cali, but uh, appreciate all the Twitter support. Appreciate uh, the listening and and glad to hear your story and, and you know success you've achieved. Hopefully, uh, little Valentino there's enjoying his uh his clouds and dirt. <laughs> oh, he's,
1: he's no more. The other one's gonna be doing an unboxing of his uh his dark cloud. So he's psyched next.
0: Nice, nice. All right, brother. Well, thanks for being on the show. I appreciate your time. You have a great uh, rest of your Veterans Day. All right, you too. Bye-bye.
1: Bye.